This podcast is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Does that mean we are mature? (laughs) Certainly not. Don't be silly. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your co-host, Eric Johnson, and sitting across from me is the toothpaste of my orange juice, Rodney Smith. Good morning, Eric. We are lost somewhere in the buckle of the Bible Belt, but safe in the warm embrace of the Southern Fried Third Eye Studio, you have found the Swollen Goat Podcast. We have been heard in 32 different countries so far, only 163 more for total world domination. Thank you to all the he's, she's, and they's that are listening out there. We really, really appreciate it. Right, I think we need to thank our recent subscribers. Uh, I'm very thankful for these people and their comments and notes that they leave us to make us feel like y'all are just fun. I don't know if you're teaching us anything, but you guys are fun. So I like to hear that. Yeah. And some of them sound mad, but I know you're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So these are uh, email identities. So some of these may be a little obscure, but and I may read them wrong because you know how email things are, but I'm going to do my best. So we have Anna Smith, C. Heiss, Edward Money, Eric Davis, Fire Chick, Anna Holbrook, Jason McLean, Jasper Jen, J. Side Packle. I don't know if those letters are in the right order. Jessica Elam, Jonah Aaron, Justin Boyd, Casey Varmit. This is either Mr. Spink or Mrs. Pink. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Holbrook, Perry Webb. Psych Anita, Pump 1954, PW Tip, R Priest, and Ryan Colbeck. Thanks, guys, for subscribing. We really appreciate it. And y'all keep us going. And, uh, you know, thanks for all the comments, like Rodney said earlier. A big thanks goes out to the recent Goat Herd members. You guys help us do whatever it is we do. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about Mount Everest and the bodies of climbers that are still there. But first, let's talk about, well, we should talk about Everest itself, I guess. Well, Eric, you said we was going to get high today. Yeah, we are going to get high. We're going to get high on Everest. Like 29,000 plus feet high? Yeah. All right, let's get high. So what is the elevation of Mount Everest? The height of Mount Everest was first measured to be 29,002 feet, but was later revised in 1955 to 29,029 feet. And this measurement still stands till today. Even, I thought it grew like a centimeter a year or something. I guess it does, but who's going to go up there and check it? I guess we're just a hunch. <laughs> it's a centimeter. could be three centimeters. It's Yeah. You know, with all the advances, advancements in technology now, we probably measure it in space now. What do you think? Probably so, because, you know, they do uh, measurements to the moon, don't they? Don't NASA shoot a beam up to the moon? Yeah, there's a mirror up there, and uh, the laser reflects off of it and comes back. I think they measure the time it takes or something. I wonder if uh, up there on that mountain there's some type of a similar thing that one of those <laughs> mountaineers maybe made it, maybe didn't, left it up there, and they bing off of him. They know may what be is. binging that laser off a pair of glasses of somebody that's still up there. 
Bless their hearts. I know. We'll get into that. These some of these people they they have died for something they wanted to do or to be drawn to something so powerful they lose their lives. Yeah, I heard that Everest is not actually the highest mountain. I mean, it's the highest in one respect, but it's uh, the highest peak on the planet. The highest peak on the planet from sea level, I guess, to the moon. Yeah, you go. From, oh yeah, 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 to yeah. the moon where okay. the one that's coming out of the ocean. I mean, you could do that one, Eric, because we're at 13,000 feet. You know, like, we top this mountain. You yeah. Know? We can do that. Mauna Kea, a volcano on Hawaii's Big Island, tops out at 13,796 feet above sea level. But because it rises from the bottom of the ocean, its base to summit is actually more than 33,000 feet. So taller than Everest if you take it from the bottom of the From ocean. the bottom, yeah. yeah. From the bottom of the shaft. So that technically would be the tallest mountain in the world, but because the, you know, the earth has a bulge in the middle, Everest technically isn't the closest to the moon either. That honor belongs to 20,561 foot Mount Chimborazo in Ecuador. So when was it, uh, when did they find out how tall Everest was or that it was the tallest one on the planet? It was 1841 when an obscure peak in the Himalayas was recognized as the tallest mountain in the world by a British survey team led by Sir George Everest. Isn't that weird? A guy named Everest what a climbed that mountain? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's a crazy coincidence. <sighs> I love it. Mount Everest is located in the Mahalangor mountain range and is situated on the border of both China and Nepal. So one slope is actually in China and one's on Nepal, from what I understand. I wonder what... In the old days, before the guy, Mr. Uh, what was his name? Everest. Mr. Everest. <laughs> I can't remember Mr. Everest. What did the locals call those mountains? The big hills? I don't know. I didn't read that. You know, the they had, what, the Sherpers, they had some name for it. They probably have some secret name. Mahalangor. I don't I have know. to look that up. The first people to officially climb Mount Everest began their attempts in 1921. Two British expedition teams tried in 1921 and 1922 and failed. Now, Eric, do you think they failed because they didn't know what they're getting themselves into? They're like, you just can't go get five guys and tell them come on up this mountain. I know. And get them ready. I, I'm pretty sure you got to train a little bit for that because you can't breathe up there. This is the old days, and people are kind of like, get on up that mountain with that mule, stupid. And you know they were up there with, you know, all wool stuff and heavy canvas backpacks. And, God, can you imagine how much that gear weighed? It looked like some kind of a, what, Jeffrey Bean or whatever it's called. What, what is the stuff the camp wear? L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. <laughs> Why is that Jeffrey Bean? What is Jeffrey Bean? Is that alcohol? That's the guy two doors down. <laughs> <laughs> In 1924, two badass members of a British expedition team, George Mallory and Andrew Irvine, were seen just 800 feet from the summit. But they were caught by a storm. Mallory's body wasn't found until 1999. Nobody knew if they reached the summit or not. The mystery still remains to this day. The first climbers to stand on top of Mount Everest were Edmund Hillary from New Zealand and a Sherpa, Tenzing Norgay, from Nepal, on May 29, 1953, from the Nepal side. Do you remember when Hillary said she was named after Sir Edmund Hillary? I know I don't, but uh, <laughs> if she said it, it must be true. She's an idiot. 
she was on a tiger safari and <laughs> she was being interviewed and she said so when i was born my mother called me hillary she always told me that it was because of sir edmund hillary the problem is is that sir edmund hillary didn't reach the summit till six years after hillary was born it's a lie <laughs> she's such a turd <laughs> <laughs> Before any Hillary Clinton lovers out there get their panties in a bunch, we, we don't like Trump as well. So just just relax. We don't like anything in no, politics. No, we don't. No one does anything. They lie to both of us. They do. They just tell us they love us, but they don't do shit for us. Fuck I think them. Hillary's probably got more dead bodies on her hand. I think they've all got dead bodies everywhere. The Mount Everest Range in Tigbochi, some 300 kilometers north kilometers. See? I fuck it up. I, I didn't know I was this bad at reading stuff out loud. The Mount Everest range. <laughs> I'm laughing at this. Cause see, I'm, you're getting me. You're getting me. You're getting me. This is just like an opponent playing chess. Okay. The Mount Everest range is in Tingbochi, some 300 kilometers northeast of Kathmandu. Mount Everest holds the impressive title of the world's largest open air graveyard. Since Hillary and Norgay scaled the summit, 4,000 people have followed in their footsteps, braving the harsh climate and dangerous terrain for a few moments of glory. Some of them, however, have never left the mountain. Yeah, the top portion of the mountain, they call it the death zone. Oh, it's like, is that like the uh, in football when they get down the red zone? <laughs> it's yeah. dangerous <laughs> yeah. for a defense. Everything above 26,000 feet is is known as the death zone so you can't stay there you can't if you get caught there you either have to you have to go back down or keep going forward yeah you you have to once you cross twenty six thousand feet you have to go that other two thousand two thousand two hundred feet or whatever it is hit the top and then come back down past twenty six thousand feet or you're a dead man or woman so you have a living time yes. to go from that so you got to go up 2,000 plus feet and come down. So that's a 4,000 feet. Yep. Freezing as cold. Yeah. Air is impossible to get a breath of good air. Yeah. So you probably have oxygen. Most people have oxygen. Some people do it without oxygen. I wonder if there's any uh, scams where somebody said they did, but they didn't. They went up there. Oh, I'm and sure had, there is. They had uh, dropped in oxygen tanks or something up on the mountain. You know, yeah. nobody's going to be there. To, some journalist going to be there filming it? Fuck no. Well, there's so many people up there now. It's like a freaking conga line. I mean, there's there's people up there. There's less, there's like a window of time that the weather will allow you to do that. And when that window opens, there are lines of people trying to get to the top. So the the somebody faking getting to the top is probably not going to happen. Not going to happen. It's just too no. dangerous. Yeah. But if you all right, Eric, let's say we're going to do it. But I said, Rod, if we don't make it to the top, man. At least let's leave the people come by crazy. You know, like we may ever do it. Yeah. Like help or whatever we're doing our hands, you know. YMCA. <laughs> we're there like, I'm freezing. I got the Y. I got the M. I got the C. You know, that would be pretty funny. Well, it's it's messed up because once you get up there, the, the air is like a third of what it is at sea level. You, you only get a third of the oxygen that you get at sea level. And because of the pressure of being so high, the barometric pressure, I guess they call it. Is that what they call it? Yeah, I think so. Everything feels 10 times as heavy. So mm. if you've got a 30-pound pack on, that's heavy. What's what? And you pounds? Yeah, and you know that that's, that's at least what they're carrying, I'm sure. So, you know, 
at least it makes you feel sluggish and disoriented because of no oxygen and you're going to be fatigued and it, it's distress on all your organs and you know, your muscles. Everything is, is distressed. Yeah, because your spleen and spine and everything didn't ask on this fucking journey your brain wanted to go on. <laughs> Thanks, fucking brain, for wanting to go take our ass up here, you know, said the lungs. Yeah, it's very rare that, that any climber makes it more than 48 hours in the death zone. You have to be in and out. That's extremely fast. You have to be very, yeah, and you have to train, I guess, for a long time to be able to do that. Because guys, we got to scale this this fast, and I guess they could set up an oxygen tank or something for themselves. Well, they have, have to, to carry their tanks. Time. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about on ground when you're getting used to what oh, what yeah. third oxygen is going to be like, and this yeah. is what your brain's going to operate mm-hmm. on. This would help them simulate some of the things to keep them alive to get back up and down through that danger zone. Well, another problem is because of what we just said it's rare that you come down from there without lingering physical effects. I mean, there's, there's something wrong with you and, uh, you know, different things will go wrong with you because of those extreme situations. But, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't make it and they're just left where they fall because you can't, you can't carry them down. So if you die in that death zone or anywhere near it, you're still there for the most part. But you're preserved. You are preserved. Your clothes are preserved. Everything's preserved in whatever position you fall in. The standard protocol is to leave the dead where they die. And so they spend eternity on the mountaintop and basically serve as a warning or mile markers. They they serve as a marker for the trail and a warning to not get stuck up there. We'll be called the Goat Boys. This is the Goat Boys. <laughs> yeah. They never wanted to get to the top. They just wanted to be die out here like this because they're getting old. You know, say we're down now and like, they just go up there and freeze ourselves like that. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. like, that is so funny. Yeah, there's there's some, some bodies up there. We're going to talk about them here in a second. But right now, I think we need to take a break and listen to one of our sponsors. Today's podcast brought to you by the following, Laser Art Birmingham. Laser Art Birmingham is a laser cutting company that can take your ideas from a sketch on a napkin to reality. Laser Art Birmingham specializes in intricate artistic cutting files. Their artists have over 30 years experience in drawings that range from small mechanical parts to complicated portraits. Contact Laser Art Birmingham at laserartbham at gmail.com or through their website at laserartbham.com for all your design and cutting needs. Okay, we're back, folks. We're going to talk about, you know, some of the people that are still up there. One of the most famous corpses known as Green Boots was passed by almost every climber to reach the death zone. Now, Green Boots, uh, I said, how would they know that's Green Boots? Googled the picture, saw him. Yeah. That is Green Boots. Yeah, he's got on lime green uh, climbing boots. That is our guy. Uh, (laughs) And seriously, he, he was put, he died in 96. He looks like he just laid down. Green Boots identity, no one knows who it is exactly, but... T. Swain Pala, an Indian climber who died in 1996, is who they think it might be. Yeah. And how do they know that? I guess because uh, friends were looking for him and said that on this date, they were going to be... My buddy went up there with some lime green boots on. He never showed back up. 
It's like when you go hiking, you tell me where you're going. I know if I haven't heard from you in a month, I know you may not have returned. So I need to be looking for you. If I've been gone for a month and you hadn't heard from me, <laughs> you're looking for a body. This is a recovery operation. I know. That wife, she got Sift you. through all the bear scat. <laughs> and you might find my watch. <laughs> That'd be funny. No, it wouldn't be fun. But I'm thinking you're... Oh, it's funny. <laughs> Recently, Green Boots, uh, they got his body off of there. But up until then, it was basically a landmark that all the hikers had to pass. And it's it was used to gauge how close they were to the summit. Yeah, how far was it? Was it? Would you say, if it could do it in hours, because, you know, like with me and you, we're doing feet, but you know going 500 feet in this type of weather, how long would it take to go 500 feet? I have no idea. You know, could it take them 15 minutes? Which you ain't nothing. We'd do 500 no, feet. No, I think it would. Know? I think 500 feet would probably take them all day. See? Yeah. That other 2,000 feet they're going up, that is, this is the death zone. Yeah, they got to do it in 48 hours, too. I know. I couldn't. I couldn't. And you got to scat back down. So, like I said, before they took his, his body off the mountain, about 80% of the people that went up there... He was sort of like in a little shelter. It wasn't a shelter like a house shelter. It was a shelter like a rock that sheltered you from the wind. About 80% of the people that went up the mountain stopped by that body to rest. He wasn't up there alone. He was with other people, and he said he needed to rest, and, and they went on. That was the end. You know, well, I mean, yeah. he did not buy that whole outfit. That was not a Garanimals outfit. He, <laughs> he, he bought it at different times, apparently. <laughs> He wasn't sponsored. You know, if he, now if you're smart, yeah, if, if you, you were get, sponsored, you'd have all Arcteric stuff and it all matched. Yeah, you'd be a badass and he might not have died. <laughs> but since <laughs> most of this stuff looks like he got at Kmart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Those boots sponsored are sponsored by Walmart. <laughs> We're wearing fucking bowling shoes, man. That's why he didn't make it. I'm laughing at death, but this man knew what he's going to get into. And to me, if you don't look right, you're not going to climb right. Yeah. I'm gonna, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die fashionably. Bad dress. Neon boots. Yeah. The worst dress climber ever. <laughs> anyway, um, in 2006, another climber joined Mr. Green Boots, Eric. Yes. With sitting with his arms around his knees in a corner forever. He died up there too, huh? This guy's name was... The guy's name was David Sharp. He was attempting to summit Everest on his own, a feat which even the most advanced climbers would warn against. He stopped to rest in Green Boots Cave, as so many had done before him. Over the course of several hours, he froze to death. His body stuck in the huddled position, just feet from one of the most famous Mount Everest bodies. Unlike Green Boots, however, he had likely gone unnoticed during his death due to the small number of people hiking at the time. At least 40 people passed by Sharp that day, not one of them stopped. That's fucked up. I, I think I'd have stopped. I know I would have. I'd, hell, I'd have died with it, done some bitch. Now listen, you've, you've planned your whole life to go to the top of Everest. And you see this guy who may have been unprepared or, or whatever the reason was. You've spent two weeks getting to this point that you are. Summit fever says you've got to go to the summit and I'll get him on the way back. But you should stop and get them. Uh, it's just, I couldn't have done it. What, went past him? 
what do they call it, the totality of it all when it come in? Here's somebody who's trying to do just what I did. Yeah, but you're not thinking that at the time. You're thinking about you are 6,000 or 4,000 feet from the summit. Your only chance you're ever going to get this in life is called summit fever. And people say, no, I'll get him on the way back. I, I've, I've spent too much time, too much money to do this. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because, you know, yeah. years of training. So, yeah, so people just walk past him. So his death sort of, you know, made people start talking about it because, you know, all these people walked by him and they saw that he was alive. He was visibly alive and he was visibly in distress, but nobody stopped. They just kept going. I wonder if he said, fuck you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) motherfucker. It ain't that goddamn great. So Sir Edmund Hillary criticized the climbers who passed him you know saying that it was it was a desire to reach the top it was that summit fever we were talking about uh he got pissed at him he said quote if you have somebody who is in great need and you are strong and energetic you have a duty really to give him all you can to get the man down getting to the summit becomes very secondary in this situation he told the new zealand herald this after news of sharp's death broke so he kind of felt like the way i did about it yeah God, see, I, but that but that fever you're talking about, just like people get gambling fever or got to go catch that shark, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, but on shark. the other side of that, you're also listening to somebody talk about that who's already been there. Did he pass anybody on the way up there? Uh, he doesn't. I mean, he's already been there. He's not going again, so he doesn't have any skin in the game. No. Or, uh, okay, wouldn't you think the snow blizzards up there would just cover those bodies over time? I don't understand why they are not covered. Well, it it covers them up and blows them off and covers them up and blows them off. Okay. Yeah. It's in that they just break and fall to pieces and shatter. You would think. And it might. I mean, they're frozen to the ground. You can't pick them up and carry them with you. They're frozen to the ground. You have to cut into the ground to remove them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal to get people down. That's why they don't do it. Hillary also said, I think the whole attitude towards climbing Mount Everest has become rather horrifying. He added, the people just want to get to the top. They don't give a damn for anybody else who may be in distress, and it doesn't impress me at all that they leave someone lying under a rock to die. The media termed this phenomenon summit fever, and it's happened more times than most people realize. In 1999, the oldest known body was found on Everest. George Mallory's body was found 75 years after his 1924 death after an unusually warm spring. Holy shit. Yeah, unusually. And everybody's going, damn, we should have went up there. Because you know if they knew they had a an event where this would have been the time to shoot up that mountain and go. Yeah. Oh, you know it was There's packed. a window. Mm-hmm. There's just these windows of opportunity. Well, that's what you were talking about earlier. Does it cover them up? It covers them up and blows them off because he's been up there for 75 years and they could still find him. Amazing. Mallory had attempted to be the first person to climb Everest, though he had disappeared before anyone had found if he had achieved his goal. His body was found in 1999, his upper torso, half of his legs, and his arms almost perfectly preserved. He was dressed in a tweed suit, surrounded by primitive climbing equipment and heavy oxygen bottles. A rope injury around his waist led those who found him to believe that he had been roped to another climber when he fell from the side of the cliff. It is still unknown whether Mallory made it to the top. Though, of course, the title of the first man to climb Everest has been attributed elsewhere. 
Though he may not have made it, rumors of Mallory's climb had swirled for years. He was a famous mountaineer at the time when asked if he wanted to climb the unconquered mountain. He famously replied, because it's there. So he's the person that said that. One of the most horrifying sights on Mount Everest is the body of Hannelore Schmatz. In 1979, Schmatz became not only the first German citizen to perish on the mountain, but also the first woman. The first woman wasn't didn't try to climb it till 79. You know, you'd be surprised, but uh, I thought that was something anybody wanted to go do. So I can't believe the woman waited till then. I thought 1970. Well, did you want to do it? Fuck no. <laughs> Me either. I can't even climb a damn 100-foot high mountain. I can't do shit. I'm good climbing the steps in my basement. There you go. Schmatz had actually reached her goal of summiting the mountain before ultimately succumbing to exhaustion on the way down. Despite her Sherpa's warning, she set up camp within the death zone. Now, we've already talked about you don't do that shit. She should have known better. This is 1979. Very well documented from what we've read. Well, you don't do it. No, you don't do that. She managed to survive a snowstorm in the death zone and made it almost the rest of the way down to camp before the lack of oxygen and frostbite resulted in her giving in to exhaustion. So she made it 330 feet from base camp and sat down and died. And there's a picture of her, and I know y'all can't see it, but she's sort of sitting in the supine position. Her head's up, her knees are up, and she is obviously frozen to the ground. Uh, from this photograph here, she looks like she's unbuttoning her pants to take her pants off, is what yeah, it looks like. To like me. she's laying on a bed trying to take off pants? Yeah, this is what it looks like. And she's looking at her belt buckle yeah. or something. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Her body remains on the mountain extremely well-preserved. She's leaning against a long, deteriorated backpack with her eyes open and her hair blowing in the wind. And that was that way for a long time. Uh, since then, 70 to 80 mile per hour winds have either blew a covering of snow over her or pushed her off the mountain. Her final resting place is unknown. Yeah, 70, 80 mile per hour winds, you know, that's just kind of like a sandblaster. It's yeah. going to wear them. You're just going to wear it down. So, yeah, yeah, 500 years, 600 years, I guess she would be. She just blew her down to a skeleton and blew Isn't her that, off the mountain. Yeah, there might be way more than what we think. That's you crazy, know. man. So when someone dies on Everest, especially in the death zone, it is almost impossible to retrieve the body. The weather conditions, the terrain, and the lack of oxygen makes it difficult to get to the bodies. Even if they can be found, they are usually stuck on the ground, frozen in place. In fact, two rescuers died while trying to recover Smat's body, and countless others perished while trying to reach the rest. Despite the risks and the bodies they will encounter, thousands of people flock to Everest every year to attempt one of the most impressive feats known to man today. Have you ever thought about doing climbing Mount Everest? Has that ever come across your bucket list? I probably just said it, saying, I'm going to climb Everest as some dumbass third grader, you know, fourth, you know, what's yeah. you going to do in your life? I yeah. probably did. I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I said that too. I wouldn't even put that in the notebook anywhere this, this time in my life. No, um, this is one of these things that say a yeah, death sentence. <laughs> You're going to yeah. fucking die. It's like one in four. It's very expensive too. And then the one in four make it to the peak. Yes, I think that's true. That's pretty shitty odds. So if I drew a card with you right now, uh, it'd probably come up me on the shorthand anyway. So yeah. I was going to even try to attempt it. Well, Everest is littered with things other than bodies. Garbage? Yes, there's garbage. I mean, you got to think of all the thousands of people that go up there every year. 
Yeah, you'd have to consider their garbage. Yeah. They've got packages from their freeze-dried meals or whatever they're eating. They've got feces. They've got toilet paper. They've got maps. They've got all this stuff up there that's just that's just laying there. That would be uh, something. Well, are me and you going to go to look at it, see if it is up there? We don't know. Mm, yeah. Is there a fund for it so they can get money from us? <laughs> yeah. We've raised $100,000 to clean the money. The money. That's what they're to clean the money out of our pockets. Yeah. But everybody makes it. You want to do that? No. You want to raise money to clean the garbage off of Everest? Mm-hmm. Who's going to prove that me and you fucking If did? I was an Everest guy, I might help try to do that. But I'm not. I mean, I would, I would give coast. money to help people clean up the Appalachian Trail. Because I go there. You experienced it. I experienced it. But we have no proof of this garbage. We need photographic evidence. I have no proof that Everest is even there. You're true. That's correct. Why are we even doing this podcast about this? I don't because understand. They this could this be a, thing up. a mythical mountain. <laughs> as early as 1963, a climber wrote in National Geographic that parts of Mount Everest had become the highest junkyard on the face of the earth. Empty oxygen bottles, human excrement, food packaging, broken climbing gear, and torn tents continue to spoil the environment up there. A single cleanup in spring of 2011 removed over eight tons of trash from Everest, and many more tons remain to be uncollected. In order to counteract the problem, Nepal's government now requires climbers to bring back all of their equipment or risk losing a cash deposit. New trash bins and a waste incinerator have also been recently installed near the mountain. Now, there's something else that I heard about. I think I heard this on a documentary. Maybe about Hillary. I don't remember. But there was a team of Sherpas that their job was to take the excrement from there. Because, you know, they're obviously above tree line. You can't bury it. It's just there. So they take all of that waste, all that shit, and they take it down the mountain and put it in an empty or a dry lake bed. And they were just, they had Sherpas just doing that constantly. That is insane. They're not disgusting. The disgusting part is, and it's because my, the way my mind works, when you pick up the excrement, it's probably hard as rock. It's hard dirt. By the time you get to the bottom, it's mushy again. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the farther down the hill you get, the more the, your pack that you're carrying is dripping. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is something to think about. Oh, that's, shit. That's, that's terrible. And the bodies that are up there, you know, they don't have animals up there eating and picking at them, so they're going to live. No, you know, it's, just, it's there. just a brown snowsicle. It's icicle. Wouldn't be sandblasted the hell off there by nature. Well, that's right. So, Eric, we've learned today we did get very high. We went up to 29,000 feet. We this, That's higher than I've ever been. Uh, where you and I right now are 390 feet above that's right. sea level. 390. Oh, 390. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> this is where we're at, and we're going here to, what, uh, 29,000. So, uh, no, me and Eric are taking the no on that because we think the one in four chance of making this is not worth, well, Well, folks, that's all the Bat Shooter we have for you this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from the GOAT, you can follow us on the Swollen Goat Podcast on Instagram or at our website at theswollengoat.com.
Thanks for listening. The preceding podcast was made possible by the Southern Fried Third Eye Studio, copyright 2022, all rights reserved.